Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Vic. And I'm Obs. And we have so much to say. About what though? Life, meaning, purpose, trying to figure out all of the super complicated stuff about what it means to be alive. That's deep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it will be easier because we're doing it together. True. Each week, we're reading one chapter of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and then recapping what we learn right here on this podcast. So it's kind of like a book club. Kind of. This is going to be so much fun. We love this book and hope you do too. Get ready to awaken to your life's purpose with us. Let's get started because we have so, so much, much to, to say. say. Okay. Wait, did you make notes for this week? I didn't because I kind of think they threw me off and I just want to like be flowy. Let's just be. This chapter was gnarly. I mean, welcome to the book. I agree. Yeah, it was so good. I listened to it and then reread it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I read it once and then I listened to the Oprah and Eckhart discussion you did oh my god I'm almost like afraid to say that because we're gonna lose all of our (laughs) listeners but you know what I think the best way to do this is to read the chapter listen to Oprah and Eckhart Tolle discuss it that's the real author of the book and Oprah and then come and listen to your two favorites just kind of shoot the shit (laughs) I'm also not gonna lie I listened to the audiobook he reads it himself little sleepy little sleepy we're a little more fun to listen to <laughs> yeah we're we're dumbing it down you take the lead where should we start um let's see okay the first thing that came up for me listening to this is I was driving home and I was so entrenched in it and it was so easy for me to be present like be able to distinguish my ego from my actual self and then I get a call from my friend Haley and snaps off I'm right back my ego is taking over like an entity and I'm like how are you supposed to stay present be mindful of your ego and then interact in everyday life with all of our distractions and life happening it's literally so hard yeah I'm going to validate that because it's almost ironic that this chapter is really explaining the ego and how it functions and what it feeds on and what fuels it and I've had so many almost like ego tests this past week. And actually when one of them happened, I wanted to talk to you about it because I was at this event and this person that I know, I like know this person. I have not felt dismissed by someone like so intentionally in such a long time that it like, can you paint the picture? 
So I'm at this event and I'm talking to a friend of mine who happens to also be a really big creator. And this other person, I see them and I get excited. I'm like, oh my God, like we haven't run into each other in forever. We've been dying to talk. Okay. They completely dismissed me like to, to take this person that I was talking to, box me out of the conversation, like not even acknowledge me. And now I'm out of the conversation to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and sit down over there. And then when that conversation ends, like is walking out of this room, doesn't even stop to like say hello, goodbye, anything. <laughs> and like while they're walking, half passes at me and is like, well, we got to get that coffee soon. And like by, by, them, by them finishing the sentence, they were like turned away. My ego was aflame. <laughs> oh my, well, that's just fucking rude. I know. For but starters. The, but this is the ego that, that I think it is I that know. voice that's like, how dare you treat me that way? I recognize like this is the voice, like my yes. higher self. And I don't know what you call your conscious mind. I know Eckhart calls it like the awareness. I like to think of it as like a higher self. Yeah. You always refer to it as higher self. I like that. Although is that like a little bit egoic because I actually it's a little egoic I'm, it's like my it's myself self. that's better than everyone else because <laughs> I can recognize that in it's me my, literally I'm like it's myself that's better than my ego mind it's like the ego in a disguise wait that reminds me that I was dying when he said this part about wait I need to find it one sec I literally wrote LMAO in the book this is on page 43 he was basically saying if you renounce all your possessions, your ego will then attempt to ensure its survival by finding something else to identify with. For example, a mental image of yourself as someone who has transcended all interest in material possessions and is therefore superior. <laughs> yes. No, literally. But it made me feel better because he's literally saying like, don't get rid of all your shit. You're just going to cling to the fact that you're better than everyone for getting rid of all your shit. Totally. Totally. Anyways. Like I feel superior that I mean, we're even reading this book. I'm already better than everyone. I know. And that's so, so not the point. Oh, but you know what? We're learning and we're only in chapter two. And another thing is for some people who read this chapter, this may be the first time that you've ever really had this disconnect. Once you can make that distinction, it's so easy when you're sitting alone, like with your own thoughts. But like as soon as life picks up, it just shows up in so many ways that I can't even catch it. What did you think of on 36 when he was basically talking about designer clothes? I literally wrote called out on the side of it and like designer bags. He says, designer labels are primarily collective identities that you buy into. They are expensive and therefore exclusive. But if everybody could buy them, they would lose their psychological value. And all you'd be left with is their material value, which likely amounts to a fraction of what you paid. Can I tell you something? Yes. We, Victoria and I went on a girl's weekend, bougie, like she treated me to this nice hotel. We were on Rodeo. We were just feeling ourselves. And I bought an expensive ass bag that I probably shouldn't have, but whatever, treat yourself. We were having our girls weekend and we were two drinks deep and I went to the bathroom and I hung up my purse and I was sitting there peeing and I was staring at it. And I was like, did that make me happier? Like what, what does this make me feel besides like a little bit of guilt for how much I spent? <laughs> and I, like, I literally was sitting there like half buzzed peeing, contemplating if this was an egoic purchase or if there's like actually something in there that like makes me happier. I don't know. That is so real. Like it's, it's so real. And as I was reading even about the ring story and hearing your story just now, we, we, I literally, 
I w- literally thought of you losing your ring at volleyball pl- practice. Oh yeah. Yeah. You guys, I had a very, very expensive ring that was a gift from my parents and I took it off for a volleyball practice and gave it to someone to hold. And then they left early and set it down and it was never to be found again. You know, I thought that was interesting because I think I need more closure on like, okay, well then how do I decide what clothes I like to wear because I want them to feel me, but then is me wrapped up in this version of myself I want to portray to the world. And then it goes back to your conversation with Haley. Like, how do we really do this stuff and function in a capitalist Western society? Yeah. No, I mean, does this make you think about Vix Fits? Like, what... What are you searching for in Vix Fits? Well, you know what about Vix Fits? I've recently realized that I have just been dressing the way that the cool girls dress and it's made me think like I'm doing something, but I recently had this outfit on and I was like, this isn't me. And I realized I've been doing this to fit the status quo, to dress how people are dressing, but I don't think it's really like my style. When Eckhart says later down on 36, the ego satisfaction is short-lived. And so you keep looking for more, you keep buying, you keep consuming. And I feel like that is so powerful. I even had someone text me something today that they bought something really great. And I immediately was like, I should buy this, or I wish I had this, or I wish I bought it first. There's the ego voice. And I'm thinking, why? What do I not think that I have now that other things are going to give me? It's also interesting for you as an influencer. Do you have any thoughts of you being that person that people look to for guidance for their ego to attach to for like their guidance on how to dress or their guidance on what to buy? Well, I think that there has to be truth to that in the sense that there are influencers that I follow that I buy what they post and I want to do like I'm literally growing my hair out because this girl that I like has really long hair and so I was like I want really long hair because maybe it'll make me more like her Victoria in middle school used to come home with (laughs) random random things like the one that sticks out is red Javiana flip-flops okay yeah because Megan Fox had them in Transformers I was gonna say just go there she's like She's like, I am going to be the girl in middle school with red Javianas. That's going to be my identity. And I was like, all right, queen. I don't know if anyone's going to notice your red Javianas, but I love that for you. No, That was your ego. Truly, I saw (laughs) Megan Fox wearing red flip-flops and I was like 13 or 14 and was like, if I get these flip-flops, I'll be more like her, which is just wild. But yeah, that was my ego. All of this stuff is a distraction. And I think it's powerful that we're even recognizing it. The awareness is something some people never even get to. And we're having this awareness at 26. And I think we have to give ourselves grace as we like figure out how it's going to play into our life. My question was, you know, this idea of more, more, more will never be satisfied. The ego will always be looking for more. If we go the other direction with it, letting go of attachment, at what point are you more unhappy letting go of everything? Like at what point do you not have enough to be happy? Down to the basics of like food and shelter, basic comforts. Say my mattress is fine. Like I have a great mattress, but I'm saying like if my mattress was like, all right, and then it would make me happier to buy a nicer mattress and then I'll sleep better. I'm taking care of my body. Is that... Is, is that 
I mean, this you is know what I mean. This is where it's tough. I mean, can we phone Eckert? Can we phone a friend? <laughs> yeah, right. But, like that genuinely to me is not me wanting more, more, more. It's yeah. like an improvement of comfort and life. So, I'll give you my best answer. And I know throughout this podcast, you'll also help give me your best answers when I have questions. And I, I, I would guess that it's maybe like, as long as when you get this new mattress to increase comfort, you don't think you're better than other people because you bought this new nice mattress <laughs> and you don't, you know, you wouldn't cry right. if someone took it away from you. Like I think it's an right, appreciation, right, right, right. but it's not attaching yourself to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's so fair. I also just want to, because we're talking about more, like really fucking harp on this because this is my problem. On 37, he says, the unchecked striving for more for endless growth is a dysfunction and a disease. It is the same dysfunction the cancerous cell manifests whose only goal is to multiply itself unaware that it is bringing about its own destruction by destroying the organism of which it is a part. That analogy hits. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just so true, but it's like, it's so hard, even if, at least for me, when I can snap out of that and be like, I'm good. I have everything I need. You sit there and scroll on your phone and you're like, do I? Would I be happier with this? And it's just go, go trying to attach itself to other shit that you just don't need. And he talks about that when he says, it's the am I enough? Am I this? Like the desire to have that label or that complete sentence when really yeah. it's just I am. What were your thoughts on there's a part where he says birds of bulimia will often make themselves vomit so they can continue eating. Their mind is hungry, not their body. This eating disorder will become healed if the sufferers, instead of being identified with their mind could get in touch with their body and so feel the true needs of the body rather than the pseudo needs of the egoic mind. I understand what he's trying to say. I was really impressed with what he said towards the end of the chapter. It's on 49. He says the physical appearance of the body that contributes greatly to the sense of who you think you are. It's strength or weakness. It's beauty or ugliness. For many people, their sense of self-worth is intimately bound up with their physical strength, good looks, external appearance. Many feel a diminished sense of self-worth because they perceive their body as ugly or imperfect. Like, I think that's really true. I get what he was saying about the bulimia, but I don't think it's like three sentences. I don't think it really encapsulates the disorder properly, but I know what he's saying. I get what he's saying. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit on 41. I almost got chills when I read one thing we do know. Life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you are having at this moment. Do you remember that? I highlighted that too. That's all my notes on this page. And it made me think like, I'm not a believer in like a plan, but the way he said like, how do you know this is the experience you need? Because it's the experience you're having at this moment. That finally like made sense to me. I'm such a believer in like the universe conspiring in your favor and everything happening for a reason. And I'm so woo woo with the development of our souls. Like I truly believe that look back on your whole life. Maybe it's just my storytelling, but doesn't everything make sense up until this point. I think you get something out of everything. And that's what yeah. allows people to find comfort in where they are. But I struggle to believe that things are predetermined. I do too. Because I don't think they are. 
I think that things happen as you grow. I think every point in your life, you are faced with how to interpret that and grow from that. And if you don't in that moment, something else will come down the road and force you to learn the lesson you were supposed to learn at the other moment, you know? I completely agree. I believe that wholeheartedly. This little part to me speaks to just acceptance. Like you're having this moment. It's maybe not the moment you wanted to have or you expected to have or you planned to have, but this is the moment you're in. What are you going to do about that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the feeling the inner body? section oh my god yes I was having a physical experience (laughs) I was having an I was literally transcending in the car I was like I might lift out of here um (laughs) that's like low-key dangerous (laughs) I loved it because he highlights the idea of basically shifting your attention from the external form of your body to the feeling of aliveness inside of it and I like that he highlights that you can celebrate your body, but just make sure it's about what's inside and not what you look like. Basically just like being present and feeling like your fingers tingling and your toes tingling. And I feel like when I'm most aware, I'm focusing on my breathing. Like that's when I feel most centered with myself. And it's, I've gotten to the point where I can quiet my voice very well and just listen to my breathing. And it's such a reset. When I feel anxious or like I can't sleep, I, I've gotten to a place where I can just shut everything else off and just listen to my breathing. And I'm like, oh, everything's fine. I'm just here. Like this is where I am right now. I think that's so powerful. And it's wild how when we're in moments in life, we we find it so hard to slow down and stop and take those breaths and reconnect when we can get into this inner body like we will be more connected and more grounded in everything we're doing and feel less of the anxiety less of the anger less of the heightened state of emotions when I did close my eyes and try the exercise like I can feel my hands I could feel any part of my body I think about and it's wild that we're so alive and yet we like aren't recognizing it for the majority of our day. Totally. What I was thinking, I was just like, I get, you know when you just get a bad manicure and like, for me, I don't know why, boils my fucking blood. Boils my blood. I had the most horrid manicure experience today. (laughs) Wait, did you really? I literally did. Does it not just make every, like, no matter how much deep breathing I do, like nothing. <laughs> ego, my, my ego has taken over every ounce of my being and I just want to <laughs> scream. My head's about to turn around. I cannot believe you said this. I had two horrid manicure <laughs> things today. One was I had an appointment somewhere and I had to cancel it. And this person was so mad at me like the host of this and this <laughs> salon is crazy it's like no food no talking no music like it's literally like crazy when you go in there but they're always on time and they're close so sometimes I'll do it but never again because he literally was like you're gonna cancel I'm like I'm so sorry like something's come up and then he said he said something that was basically on the lines of like we don't have an appointment for you now and we won't have one for you ever and I'm like Okay, I like I literally just I don't want one. But then I got squeezed in somewhere else and I had like a hangnail, but on like my finger and this guy like cuts it off doing my nails. It's now bleeding and he's going to put the gel and I'm like, can you please not put gel on an open wound? Like it's (laughs) it's literally 
going to get infected. And this man was dead confident. He's done so many nails He and that he needs to do it. And it's like, first of all, even if you're right, like I'm the customer, like just say it's okay and don't do that nail. He's so certain about it. And then at five minute intervals for the rest of my 30 minute manicure, he keeps bringing it up and explaining it to me. I also have headphones in and I'm trying to listen to Eckhart and Oprah. So imagine that simulation. This is a real <laughs> ego exercise. What do you do? What do you do? Where does your ego come in here? I just decided to look do off. Do you like, let him paint the open? Do you let him paint the open wound? Or? Um, you know, I did because I'm people pleaser. <laughs> I just looked through his eyes and like out into the abyss and just kind of nodded until he just would stop speaking. <laughs> I'm dead. What was I saying about a shitty manicure? Oh, oh, it's like I can recognize, I can recognize my higher self or whatever we want to call it. I can recognize how fucking stupid it is to get all worked up over a manicure. But what I was going to say is like, if I could just like, I don't know, look past the nails and just like feel the tingling in my finger and be like you're alive why do you care that there's paint like on your fingers like it's fine <laughs> like you have fingers just be grateful yeah, it's but so like, simple but like, i don't think eckhart life takes us, over i don't think eckhart wants us to have bad manis does he <laughs> i know i know he wouldn't want that for us <laughs> Wait, can we and neither please, would Oprah. Can we please start to personify him like he's a friend of ours? Please, like, should we I call? Think him, that's the last thing he can, wants. Can we call him Ek or like Eki? Eki, Eki is cute, but it sounds like Icky. Okay, anyways, back to the book. I cannot believe I didn't fucking bring this up in the beginning because this actually changed me. Okay, okay, this is twenty-seven. He says. Words reduce reality to something the human mind can grasp, which isn't very much. Language consists of five basic sounds. They're vowels, A-E-I-O-U. The other sounds are consonants produced by air pressure, s, f, g, and so forth. Do you believe some combination of such basic sounds could ever explain who you are or the ultimate purpose of the universe or even what a tree or a stone is in its depth? That rocked me. No. Rocked me. I was literally like, wait, you're right, bro. Like, we came up with these ways to communicate. But why would we ever think that, like, language could transcend? Like, you know, people say, totally. I don't have words to describe my love or my pain. Like, that's what he means. And then this clicked for me. When we, when we use these words, which can never really grasp reality and it's our thoughts and it's, we listen to them and it's like, it's, it's the whole point of his book. Like, we're being consumed in these sounds and these words and this language that cannot even describe who we are, you know, volleyball player, influencer, you know, your San Francisco real estate agent, oldest child, only girl, like these, like we cannot even begin to describe who we are or what we are doing on this planet. And yet we try to, and we believe our thoughts. I am such a labeler. Like I am such, I believe in birth order. I, I love star signs. Like I feel so comforted by labels and words and titles that like I can cling to for my identity. And like, I find that they help things make sense. But in reality, it's just like, you you can't. Okay, so what do you think about my response being that is still ego, even though it's not evil and it's not malicious and it's not self-righteous. Like that is ego. I completely agree. I completely agree. It's, it's cause the ego is just trying to cling to identities. So when I'm like trying to read about how being the oldest girl 
affects like my relationship. It's just like ego. It's just ego trying to make sense of things. But isn't that what we're all just trying to do? Make sense of things? But I think that's maybe... I know it's not what... It's not what Eki would want, but... (laughs) But I think Eki's That's what we're doing. I think Eki's point... (laughs) I can't take it seriously when we call him Eki. But I I digress. I think Eki's point is that we can't... We can't know. Like... No. And it has to just be... When I listened to him talking on a podcast, he was saying that people who do, you know, really dangerous activities like climbing mountains or skydiving, like they get addicted to it because they feel so alive in that moment because they're having no thoughts. They're labeling nothing because if you for one second think about what you're going to do when you get off the mountain and you go to dinner, you're going to fall. So you have no choice but to be 100% in the present moment. And like that's life. And it just made me think about what would life be if we could all access that type of presence in our everyday life? But to get to what you're saying, Obs, I relate to an ego voice that's not necessarily like a mean or a bad one, but I've been realizing in reading this book, yes, I'm a good person and I try to do good work for the people in the world, but if I'm being really honest with myself, there's a part of me that knows that and is like, you do good work. You're good. Yeah. And and you should be celebrated for the goodness. And when people tell me you do such great work and you whatever, I think about Taylor Swift's lyric of like I was did, just about to say it's Taylor Swift. Yes, my covert narcissism is some type of Yeah, literally. And again, like I'm such a people pleaser to my core. I live to make people happy. I'd love to try and work on it maybe down the line. Right now, I live to make people happy. And it's my ego. I just like to make people feel happy because it makes me feel happy, essentially. Right. But it's so hard to make everyone happy and it's impossible. And also something I've been realizing is I have a friend who recently like texted me something and I immediately felt like, why didn't you tell me a while ago? Or why didn't you do this? I personalized it and I just sat there and took a deep breath and was like, this isn't personal. No one's attacking you. Like everyone's living their life. It's not about you. And I took my deep breaths and I sent a really great response. I'm so excited if you tell me more. Like I brought none of that into it, which that's growth. Eki would be proud. Is your ego clapping you on right now? Oh my God, you're so right. Oh my my God, God. I'm growing. I'm such a good person for taking a deep breath. Wait. Before responding. You're so right. Thank you for calling me out on that. Oh my God. See, it's so so entrenched in me. I did the exact same thing last week. I was like, good for fucking you for taking a breath. Not many people can do that. (laughs) Which is important. So then what's the, what is the thing, right? It's like, we're not, like, are we supposed, supposed to feel? To just be. I like, know. Are we supposed, supposed to? Just, you're supposed to just be. You're not supposed to. But, but I think something that's also important is he says you're never supposed to try and quiet your ego voice because it's impossible. Like, you can't fight it. You just have to notice. Oh my god. Where it is. Yes. When he said that, it'll. It's impossible. I was like, whoo! Thank God. Okay. Because I thought god. I could never get to the end. Of this. No. No. I was like, no. Something else that I wanted to bring up because I mentioned it last week as a question to you was he starts the chapter, the last section of chapter two, the piece that passes all understanding. He starts it with, there are many accounts of people who experienced that emerging new dimension of consciousness as a result of tragic loss at some point in their lives. And I asked you last week, I was like, do you think that without trauma, you can have this awakening? Cause mine was when I snapped into 
this new dimension, as he calls it. But he says that people can go one of two directions and either identify with it as a victim or become more compassionate and loving and grow from it. I just want to talk about it because like, I feel like people's storytelling is so important. I think I like to tell myself positive stories because that's how you log memories and tell yourself your life story. And I think it contributes to your overall happiness. But is that my ego being like, you grew from this and life is beautiful and you didn't make yourself a victim? You know what I mean? I mean, it's so hard because here we are like, if we were not on this podcast, if we were not on so much to say, bitches, so much to say, <laughs> then I would be like, of course, you know, I, I think everyone would say you have to be proud of yourself and recognize the strength and the compassion. But it's like, I think with this work, it is trying to transcend that type of dialogue that inherently keeps us, although in this situation, it's a positive, uplifting s statement about oneself, having even yeah. that keeps the door open for the negative ones. And honestly, totally. I'm glad you brought us to this page because I I highlighted like seven lines. And I think to before when we were saying like, then what's the point? Are we supposed to feel? Eckhart literally says this, when there is nothing to identify with anymore, who are you? When forms around you die or death approaches, your sense of beingness of I am is freed from its entanglement with form. Spirit is released from its imprisonment in matter. You realize your essential identity as formless, as an all-pervasive presence of being prior to all forms, all identifications. You realize your true identity as consciousness itself, rather than what consciousness had identified with. That's the peace of God. The ultimate truth of who you are is not I am this or I am that, but I am silent in the studio forming a thought or trying to <laughs> it's just crazy like I think when I first started meditating and like could detach from the ego I would lay there and like I could quiet my mind and I think I was expecting something more when it really is just that simple of just like this is this is what's in there you know getting comfortable yeah. with nothing like nothingness just like the just feeling the tinglings and just the being I want to make a, a more of an effort to do morning meditation silence and just connecting with the silence and the stillness because like you said in the very beginning of this episode we're, we're so pulled back into it all it takes work like we both love the Jeff Sod episode of Real Pod and he talks about his morning routine and all the work that he does to maintain his mental state you know this is a process and we're going to be learning and growing and having revelations about this for the rest of our lives. We're so uncomfortable with being because we're so used to doing, 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 do, 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 that there's no be, 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 be. I think even just me expecting more by meditating goes back into what we were talking about at the beginning of the more, more, more. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, like to see Jesus, like something along those lines. And it was just, it's just quiet. Yeah. Speaking of Jesus, on 43, I wanted to talk to you about this. He I said, knew you were going to want to talk about this. You know I love the Beatitudes. I love the Beatitudes. I know you do. I was obsessed with the Beatitudes in like seventh grade. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? 
no inner baggage, no identifications, not with things nor with any mental concepts that have a sense of self in them. And what is the kingdom of heaven? The simple but profound joy of being that is there when you let go of identifications and so become poor in spirit. I mean, that was insane to read and actually process because I thought that this always meant just blessed are the poor. We'll take care of them in heaven. No, totally. Like, th- like they're good it's coming later. I yeah. didn't. I Don't did worry not, about them now. I did not understand like what, like poor in spirit. And it's so true. And I think to your point of like what happens when you meditate, it's the simple but profound joy of being that is just there when you let go of the identities and the material possessions and the chaos and become poor in spirit and are just there there yeah I know my ego kicks in and it's like I want to argue back with it and it's like well what about goal setting what about like moving forward like what about you know I think it's my my underlying worry of if you get so comfortable with just being then how do you move your life forward yeah and I definitely also have that question I mean we're also only in chapter two I'm sure he has to address later in the book like how do you apply this to life and function in a capitalist society like Eckhart has to make money I mean clearly Eki is very successful maybe that's why he's like no 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 guys don't worry you don't have to get rid of all your shit yeah I feel like we definitely are gonna learn this in the book I'm looking at just the index chapter seven finding who you truly are chapter eight the discovery of inner space you know, then it goes into purpose on nine and then 10 is a new earth and it's doing and acceptance. And like, I I think he's going to take us there for sure. He's just setting the scene and we're getting the explanations and we're having great questions. And I hope, and I think he'll answer them. He'll answer them. He wouldn't leave us hanging. Wouldn't it be so amazing if we could get him for the final episode? Dude, Eki, if you're listening, let's be best friends. We got to work on that. Anyways, this was profound and I love just being with you. <laughs> I love just being with you. This is my this is where I feel most present. Yeah. Oh my god, we really had so much to say today. I have more that I could say, but we're out of time. What's your main takeaway from this? My main takeaway is probably this concept of there is so much more I will never be able to understand or put into words or label and I need to accept that. And I also think that for me, that opens a door to if that, if I believe that is true, I'm believing in spirit. I'm believing in something beyond what we can see, touch, and talk about. Because I know I adamantly believe that the human language cannot describe everything that there is in this life, I, I believe in spirit. And so for me, I want to explore that space. How about you? I love that. I think my main takeaway is he says, don't take the ego too seriously. When you detect egoic behavior in yourself, smile. I love the idea that while this is so heavy and we sit here and we're dissecting all of it, like life's not that serious. Like we can just laugh at all of this. Like that's the beauty of all of this. It's we can make it fun and you don't have to be hard on yourself when you forget to take that breath or you feel your ego take over. Right. I think that was cute too. I think he mentioned like the uh, Buddha's belly laugh and I that brought me yeah. like, that brought me warmth. <laughs> yeah. No, I smiled. Well, I love you tons and I love I'll, you. I'll see you back for chapter 3. 
Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Obs and I are so excited to read the next chapter of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. We'll be back again next Friday with our recap, so you have plenty of time to read if you want to keep up with us. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. So much to say is a part of the RealPod family, so you get everything right there. And you can also follow us individually at Victoria Brown and at Aubrey Gavello. Okay, thank you. Love you. And we'll see you next week.